Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on Chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at Chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's Chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of my 2023 Rugby World Cup preview series. Today, we switch things up by looking at three nations at once, the South American nations of Argentina, Uruguay and tournament debutants, Chile. For the first half of this pod, I'm joined by writer Paul Tate. Welcome, Paul. Thank you. Welcome. I'm great to be here. Uh, let's get started. It's, it's, it's great to have you on and I, I start all these things the same way. Um, are you excited for the World Cup to start? Of course, absolutely. Uh, very unpredictable, I think, at this point. Uh, would you agree? Yeah, no, that's absolutely. It's it's it feels like it's wide open. Um, we've we've talked about it on this pod. It's you've got a scenario where yes, one side of the draws it looks tougher than the other, but you know, you look at maybe Pool C and Pool D. It's it's there for a couple of surprises as well. So it's you can't not be excited, I suppose. Yeah, I, th- I think there's there's certainly uh, purple uh, opportunities for at least one up, upset each. Um, and I do agree that the, the draw is obviously very flawed. Um, I don't realistically have the means of saying this team's going to win. But um, obviously there are the, the, the quarterfinals are relatively stable on both sides. But beyond that, very, very, very tough to predict. Absolutely, it just makes for for a great contest in that regard. And we're gonna we're gonna kick things off by looking in kind of order of the pools and pool A first. So Uruguay are in that pool alongside New Zealand, Italy, uh, France, and Namibia. So first of all, Paul, can you just take us through kind of their squad, the standouts, and all that for people who may not know and their recent form since their, I suppose you could call it, heroic day back in twenty nineteen. Yeah, absolutely. So it's been huge changes in terms of Uruguayan rugby structure. So <clears throat> what happened was it, it, you can essentially go back to their loss against Romania in the qualifiers for 2011, where they were just outmatched. And they they, they decided there and then that something's got to be done or we're done and buried. And uh, it, it worked. They They qualified for 2015 and then once they did uh you got to the stage where it was about five six months out and it was like look we're amateur players 
There's no way we can be competitive. So they found a way of giving the players contracts so that they could train. In the, and, and from there, the High Performance Center was born. So you jump from there uh, to 2019. And the difference was that they were much more prepared compared to 2015. And then that structure converted into the, the professional team. So if, if anyone's in Montevideo, go check out the, the Estadio Charrua, which is uh, their, their home stadium. It's the National Rugby Ground, artificial turf. The High Performance Center is there. Um, they welcome you to, to just literally walk in and have a look, which I did so myself. And uh, look, that center has transformed everything. So they, they worked with soccer club Peñarol, uh, to, to establish the first professional team. That team's the, the best team now in the South American Professional League, Super Rugby Americas. And so you've gone from having one or two professional players. So the most high-profile high name for 2015 was Agustino Mechea, who was playing in the, in the, the Pro Deux. So second division France from there. to now you've got him as probably second choice, possibly third choice. He's on the roster now, but... Uh, Santiago Garat is the, the starter, obviously. He's Castro, one of the few players which you could legitimately say has had a better match against Antoine Dupont, uh, which was a Cath first uh, Toulouse fixture. He's played in a top 14 final. Uh, he's obviously tier one level without doubt. Uh, would He's much better, and I'd say that uh, without exaggeration, he's much better than the, the Argentine scrum halves. So he's the best from the Americas by far, I would suggest. Um, so you've, you've been able to, to transform in that regard. Um, the players are still all basically Montevideo players. Uh, not all, but the current roster of, of 33, they have four players who are not from there. So you, you wouldn't say it's a nationwide team. I mean, people in Ireland relate to that with, with Leinster obviously being the focus uh, historically uh, or, uh, for, for, for the Irish team. Uh, in many ways, but uh, it's more than that. Um, and you can draw parallels. In fact, Argentina for their 20, 2017, that, that, that team had only four players who were not from Buenos Aires. So uh, that's happened. But in addition, basically, you've, you've been able to, to, to get a, a, a slow, but it has been nonetheless uh, uh, more exposure of players to the professional environment, and that's the game changer. So you've got some players in major league rugby, some players in, in uh, France's top 14 and Pro So um, currently it's Manuel Landeca and Arata playing in the, in the, uh, the top 14. Uh, there are other players more than good enough to do that. So this past week we had uh, Flanca Manuel Ardal signing for Miami for the new major league rugby uh, franchise. So, uh, when when that happened, it's like it's not a surprise that the team would sign him, but it's this player is is you know he's very good. So him playing there is that's the surprise from that point of view. So he's the one very much look out for. Ardell is a flanker with the speed of a center, excellent at jackals. Uh, he's, I think he's twenty four, um, just very good. He's the, if you're going to criticize him, say he's too small, he's lightweight, but. I mean, look at Michael Hooper, uh, you know, there are many, many more examples. So, uh, Herman Kessler, the hooker, very good, excellent off the line out mall move, lots of tries in that regards. 
their prop now tight head they've, they've actually gone for uh, a surprise which is that Ignacio Piccolo is now the starter and uh, that kind of came from nowhere but he's just been very very good so excellent for Peñarol and uh, he's he's actually got a good offload so uh, you know, Irish player, Irish uh, fans will, will know what I mean when I say that when you talk about Furlong, for example. So, mm. very good in that regard. Uh, and there are there are a number of players who who have the means of of doing what what Arata did last World Cup, which is that people hadn't heard of the guy. Uh, we'd been talking about him a lot about being extremely gifted, had all the attributes, should be playing in a top team, but it didn't really get any momentum uh, in, in terms of people just weren't paying attention. And then you saw him at the world cup, like, yeah, this guy can play. So they, there are players like Adal who very much fit into that mold. Another is flanker, Carlos Dios and uh, Lucas Bianchi, another flanker, both very young. I think they're 22. Uh, look, these guys are, these guys are really talented. Um, and, and the difference is that, that they've been exposed to the high performance center for longer um, another player, uh, the captain, of course, Andres Villaseca, excellent center, uh, just a very good ball carrier, um, leads well. Yeah, he speaks English and French, which is vital. A lot of these players only speak Spanish, so uh, yeah, uh, he's he's very good. Uh, in terms of the makeup for the team, one big question is who's going to be the, the fly half. So a lot of people just automatically assume it's going to be Felipe Bercesi who, of course, played in the, the prior two World Cups. But uh, Felipe Echeverria is realistically uh, e- evenly matched at, at this point. So he was a replacement uh, fullback against Fiji in the last World Cup. But he's, he's a, he's a fly-half. He's been playing there for Peñarol. Uh, Bertes has missed a lot of matches based on being uh, in France, like Uruguay. Uh, just one of those teams that it's like, if we're going to play matches, we're going to have to adapt. And so they, they toured Japan, for example, last year in June instead of July, uh, just, just the way they had to do it. Um, of course, they, they were beaten in both matches, but more players got more opportunities, and they literally played players in a range of positions. And, and uh, there's no question that it was hugely beneficial. So uh, looking through the team, I would say that, this team is the best prepared Uruguayan team we've ever seen in a World Cup. Uh, the depth is bigger than prior World Cups. They're, they're all professional this time around. The Rugby Sevens program uh, really helped in that regard because, look, you've only got one pro team, but you've got multiple players from all positions. What did they do? They opened up let, and essentially had dialogue with players and decided, so you've got uh, roughly four, maybe five, I think it's four different players. So Felipe Arcos Perez, Bautista Basso, Baltazar Amaya, Ignacio Facciolo, these yeah, four players, they are from the Sevens program, uh, would be would be playing starting for Peñarol or an equivalent team. But this is that's how they made it work. They've all made the World Cup roster and uh, they've all played during the, the warm-up matches. So, look, th- this this team absolutely. We we the only question is who are the starters. We don't actually know that <laughs> because they they act literally fielded very different teams from one match to the next against Chile and Namibia. Won them both. 
they bet the Argentina uh, 15 as well, which was essentially the the top uh, South American-based Argentine players, not amateurs either. They are from Super Rugby Americas, and it was a, a pretty convincing win. Uh, they won without actually trying to show so much. But yeah, all said, uh, there's reason to believe Uruguay have the means of, of having a successful World Cup. They're targeting wins of, of, over Namibia and Italy. That's their official uh, goal. So let's see how they go. And it's, it would be great to see them push on after you know 2019 and that win over Fiji, which was momentous to say the least. But I suppose there to beat Italy would take a lot. Do you, can you see that happening? Because obviously the Namibia game, more of a coin toss, will def, would definitely give them the edge on that one. But Italy looks strong at the moment. So you, do you think it's within reach for Uruguay to, to catch them? I would say yes, it's within reach. Um, we, we saw the match itself in 2021. They played in Italy in November. Uh, Italy won by... Uh, eight points, if I'm not mistaken. Close match. So they've got the means of competing. Can they win? Well, yes, they they could, certainly. We've, we've seen comparative results. Like, obviously, Fiji at the last World Cup. Uh, another example comes to mind, the United States when they defeated Scotland. So uh, just examples of if one team's good on the day and the other's not, then certainly. Um, but Uruguay, what they've, what they've done very well uh, this year is they've worked extremely hard on their set piece, especially the scrum and the mall defense. So when they played Georgia and Tonga uh, last November, that was those areas they were just they weren't competitive at, and they 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 literally took that on the chin and said we've got to improve this. And the matches we've seen this year, they certainly have done that. Um, they were quite sloppy in both their uh, matches against uh, Chile and uh, Namibia. They could have won both by notably larger margins. Uh, maybe they switched off. Maybe uh, something else happened. Not entirely sure there, but uh, there's, there's no reason to suggest that that uh, if, if they have a remarkable performance, that they cannot win. Uh, definitely be great to see. And, Listen, we talked about this in other podcasts, but if they could win those two games, that would set them up possibly for a third place finish, and that leads to automatic qualification for the next World Cup twenty twenty seven. So these things are worth taking into account as well. But that sort of aim is not what is is going to be on the line for for their next for our next team, which is Michael Jekka's Argentina, who are tipped to emerge from Pool D if you if you read many tipsters or um or rugby pundits. So. Paul, move, moving on to them now, obviously just just the one win in the rugby championship this year, but it's it's a strong squad. I, I would you go along with the the idea that Argentina are possibly coming in under the radar? I would. Absolutely, yes. So Argentina suffer because they don't have uh well there's no there's no global season in rugby. Don't have access to their players at all times. So uh in the past, they had a major problem of depth. That's no longer the case. So the whole idea of, of uh, Chaguares being super rugby team we as a national team, that was an experiment that came and went, failed. Uh, it blocked opportunities, literally decreased the, the, the player base that they had. So now those guys are all playing for top teams 
scattered around Europe and elsewhere. So the consequence is that more players, you've, you've had big decisions made with names missing out. And when you have to, to call them in to prepare for international duty. So last year, they, they literally had no, no break. They didn't. So they went straight from the European season to playing against Scotland at home, then from there to the rugby championship, then from there back to Europe, November matches. It's like uh, a couple of players had two weeks break. Uh, obviously, it's, it's not, not good enough. So this year, a slight change in that regard in that the seasons for the different leagues uh, finished at different times. So you had players in the top 14 playoffs who weren't even considered for the matches against New Zealand and Australia. So we didn't actually get to see the top team play, arguably until the match uh, in Johannesburg. But having said that, Cheka was was looking to give more players more opportunities um, and he and and he actually said himself that his decision on the final 33, it, they they were talking over it for something like eight hours, him and and his assistants. Um, so it took a long, long time for them to to finalize a number of positions. So if you look, for example, at a per position now, and you compare it to past World Cups, you would you would argue that overall depth is, is definitely stronger. It's just a case of certain positions in the past, you would have one or two standout players. Um, and now it's arguably not so in, in those same positions. So, I mean, it, you had Hernandez or Contopome in, in past World Cups. Now you've got, obviously, Santi Carreras playing from, from wing to fullback to fly half, as an example. Uh, he's doing very well, but uh, it, it's not the natural uh, player that we've, we've, we've noticed in past World Cup campaigns as an example. But uh, look, uh, overall, uh, the, the team is is very much full uh, across all positions. The weak link would be would be probably scrum half. Berth Fernot is alone in that regard as the, the leading player. You got Bassan Velis and Kubeli as the other two on the roster. Um, so it, it it's not the same as, as, as you look at another position such as flanker. I mean, it's going to be very hard to, to to just piece together a team. Matiera, Crema, Isa, Gonzalez, Grondona, uh, Rubioli, and Bruni. So they're they're going to be able to change uh, from one match to the to the to the next entirely if that's what they choose to do. Uh, Cheka has been clear that his idea is to have two Pumas teams. So uh, and he he has done that in past World Cups. If you look at 2019, for example, he rotated heavily. Uh, during the pool stage for specific matches. So let's see if that's what he has in mind. We're going to get a pretty good idea of this coming Saturday when Argentina play against Spain, of course. I'm um, not expecting to see a, a full-strength side for that, but let's find out. Um, so you got, in terms of positions, fullback, uh, Juan Cruz Maia, he's the starter. Uh, he acts as a second uh, fly half and attack often. The, the Johannesburg game should be one which people, if they want to see how they think Argentina are going to play, watch the second half of that. Um, I think that's that's the best example I can give. Uh, the wingers, they, they they had some really big calls to make. Uh, Bofelli and Mateo Carreras were always definitely going to going to be on the on the on the roster. They went for Imhoff and Isgro as the other two. 
very interesting, but uh, uh, they did they they do merit their their spots. It's just the case of you could also argue that those not selected, such as uh, Santi Cordero or Bautista del Gui, both both of them deserve spots. But unfortunately, that's just the reality of Argentina's depth at wing right now is very good. Uh, same with Santer, so Martinez Orlando, uh, he was always going to be there. He I mean he started in the win over. New Zealand in City and the win over New Zealand in Christchurch. So he didn't make it. Um, they decided not to. So what happened was <clears throat> this year, uh, Cheka went for Cinti as his number one outside center. And so with Santiago Chocobar's fit again, uh, they're probably the, the combination now with Geronimo de la Fuente and Matias Moroni as the backup, which is very good to, to have. Um, and the second row is interesting. They only went for three players, which does make sense there because the fourth player was uh, Lucas Paulus, uh, who played played matches this year, but Marcos Crema didn't because of sp- suspension. And Pedro Rubiola came on in the, the Johannesburg match to cover second row and did very well. So... They've got around. They've decided we're just going to take three. We're just going to take Alimano, Lavanini, and Petty, and uh, and Rubioli and, and Crema can more than cover. So very, very much uh, not a risk factor, I don't think, in that regard. Worth mentioning that Lavanini's discipline is is improved tremendously. Um, he's no longer a player who you you know are very much concerned about. I think he's he, if if he can continue what he's been doing thus far, there's, there's every reason to think that he'll be one of the top performers in the position in the, in the tournament. Um, the scrum has improved, but it, there are some some issues. The, the the front row, which played against Springboks, that's the going to be the starting front row. So it's Gallo, Montosha, and uh, Gormes Codela uh, behind them. It looks like it's going to be well. Tetas is the only other loose head, but they've got Sklavi who can cover, but he, uh, he's a tight head. So they're probably the reserve uh, uh, props, and then Krebi the, would be the reserve hooker with Ignacio Ruiz as the third choice. Uh, look, this is a this is a stacked roster. Uh, again, if you're looking for weak points, it's, it's basically uh, it's, it's a case of scratching your head, because uh, uh, if, if you compare this to to uh, other teams uh, ranked in similar positions to Argentina, you would say, "Look, this team's very so- very solid." Yeah, it's it, it certainly feels like that there is that kind of solid base of players playing some top level rugby as well, and in the top fourteen in particular. And and with that in mind, with the pool draw and the and just the the potential path to a semi final. Is that going to be the aiming point now for, for Argentina? Let's get to a semifinal and go from there. Yes, it is. Uh, actually, uh, so Juan Cruz Malia said uh, our, our, our goal is to win the win the whole thing. Um, Cheka uh, mentioned this, said something more or less the same as that. So, yeah, they're, they're going there with the end goal in mind being World Cup of Glory. Um they have. They're doing so by. Uh, I, it was Pablo Matera who mentioned uh, how flawed they were going into the last World Cup. So they weren't prepared for for failure. 
So that's very interesting. Um, so the coach now has not entered with this with the must win every match mentality. So when Argentina were, were coached by Ledesma and specifically in uh, 2021, the press conference post-match got to be pretty ugly because it was always a case of, oh, we started well, we got, we got a try and then they got, they got one and they got another and our heads were down and we were beaten. And, um, Sheik is a bit more proactive in that regard. So, uh, and very much a, a coach who with, with Los Pumas has been happy to rotate. So again, I, I, do not believe we have seen their starting team take to the field this year. Um, it, again, it's it's partly because of of the suspension. It's partly because of the the club seasons finishing at different times. But I also think he he literally is giving players opportunities to perform and uh, to to prove their worth, and not not a case so much of I I don't want to let the opposition know what our plans are. Um, Obviously, they're targeting the England match, their first match at the, the World Cup. Um, they're very well placed going into that. At this stage, I think most people would agree Argentina should win that. Uh, England's problems, I don't know if they can turn them around or not in time, but Argentina look, look to be a side very much that uh, uh, they they are in control of their own destiny at this stage. Um, if they do... And win that match, you'd say they're gonna gonna win the group. Samoa will be second. Argentina gonna be very fired up for that match. Um, if you remember uh, Argentina against Scotland last year, the, the the point that Captain Julian Montoya made to uh, to 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 Richie, the Scottish captain, about you know, do you want me to translate an Afrikaans for your player? So. <laughs> Uh, South Americans, they do not like player eligibility laws. Uh, they they very much think they are playing for their country. End of story. So they, uh, you've seen, as an example, Matias Moroni is being extremely vocal about how absurd he thinks it, it is for players to change uh, countries, um, to be kept by one and then play for another. So, And there are more, more examples of this. They're going to be fired up for that match. So then, then you've got the, the Derby, Argentina-Chile. That's going to be very fun, of course. Um, the Argentine players, from what they've, they've commented, they're very, very, very excited about it. And, and there's no arrogance in terms of, oh, that's an easy beat match. I've, I've not seen anyone say anything of that, that nature. And then finishing with Japan, well, J the Japanese, from what, what they've demonstrated in the warm-up matches there, they got a series of, of of problems to to overcome. I think at this stage, uh, Samoa will probably feel that that they should, they they have an excellent chance of winning that match. I think Samoa against Japan. I don't know uh, who I would personally say is favorite at this point of the two. Um, so I mean, based on all of that, it looks like Argentina will, will uh, certainly make the the final eight. Um, if they win the pool, then of course uh, you're looking at second place from Pool C. Very interesting. I legitimately cannot say I think it's going to be Australia. I think it's going to be Wales. I cannot. I do think that either Georgia or Fiji have the means of, of an upset. Um, if I had to if I had to guess, I would say Australia will win. 
I, I literally uh, cannot say who will be second, though. Uh, it's roll the dice. Um, you know, people would, would look to history and say, oh, Wales will be second, but I'm not so convinced personally. Um, I, I, I think that they probably are in need of at least another six months. They're just, the team just haven't, hasn't got things together at this point. So let's see, maybe it's going to be Fiji. Maybe it's going to be Georgia instead. So regardless, one of them will face Argentina in the, in the final eight, if Argentina do win the group. And yeah, uh, you would, I would, I would suggest that's a, that's a match Argentina would be favorites to win semifinal then against, uh, one of the, the the top dogs from the other side. So uh, if they can win that, then tremendous. But you, you would suggest that whoever do get to the the semifinals from that side of the draw, that they are probably expected to go all the way to the final. So if, if it's going to be, let's say, um, France versus South Africa and New Zealand versus Ireland, I think whoever wins those two, you expect to be back in the final again. Um, it, it, I don't know who's going to win. I don't. If I had to guess, I would just say France. But look, any of those four, they are the top four uh, expected to to win. Uh, maybe Argentina and Australia are, are fifth and sixth at this stage. And listen, it's, it's not a bad place to be for Argentina to be on the, the outside looking in, waiting for a potential slip up somewhere because they could potentially play their way into the tournament. You know, And by the time the semifinal comes around, they could be fresher than let's say, uh, an Ireland or a South Africa or a New Zealand, we don't know. But although they will be aiming of of going as far as they can, Chile are in their debut tournament, which is wonderful to see. And I suppose a, a lot of people wouldn't be familiar with their story. So would you mind just running through kind of their qualification and that? And just as, as per usual, the players that we can look out for. Yeah, absolutely. So <clears throat> the, the Chilean team, they... they they made the World Cup by a series of upsets. So they were originally supposed to begin their qualifications against Colombia. That match never happened because of pandemic reasons. So instead, it began against Brazil and uh, the South American qual. That match was in Montevideo. They won that. Then they played Uruguay and they narrowly lost. There was no TMO, actually. So there have been people who have said, that there was a tackle uh, made by uh, Augustino Rechea, which people have said needed to be looked at, and Chile deserved a, a, a penalty try. So had that been the case, then they would have won that match and then uh, obviously advanced as the South American winner. But be that as it may, they were the runner-up. That meant that they played the North American runner-up, which was Canada. So Canada started against the United States and won in St. John's convincingly. United States, like, we didn't see that coming. We thought U.S. would win. Um, if Canada were to win, it would need to be something extremely special. It was, in fact, and they, they won notably. Uh, but the next the, the next result, they, they played in Colorado, and the U.S. won, finished as America's won. So they faced Uruguay uh, for that. Uruguay uh, were, were well behind, uh, but USA had a bad second half, so Chile finished close. And then in the return match in Montevideo, Uruguay won that very convincingly, so they qualified as America's one. In the meantime, Chile started against Canada in uh, 
uh, Victoria uh, and uh, well in, in British Columbia and that match Chile was winning until the very end then Canada got a penalty on full time so they won that match and took a one point uh, difference in aggregate to the second match which was in Chile in Valparaiso and uh, Chile won that big and Canada kind of hit the panic button just before that match because they, they called back and recalled uh, Tyler Adon and uh, Canada has a series of problems now. Um, a lot of their their leading players don't want to play for them. Uh, they don't like Kings, Kingsley Jones, the coach. Supporters are frustrated because they don't understand how that man has a job. Um, Rugby Canada subsequently went in, went in, into uh, chaos. Uh, the CEO had departed and and they're now in, involved in restructuring. So the test team is, is still a shadow of what it has been in the past. It's a very sad state of events. Um, Chile de- deserved to win over them. That saw them advance to the final uh, for America's two, which was home and away against the U.S. So they played first in Santiago. Very, very wet winter match. And uh uh, USA won that narrowly, took uh, one point aggregate. So history, basically the, the same concept from the Canada series crossed over to the US series. Game two this time was in was in Denver, and uh, uh, Chile won that late with a with a penalty. They came from behind. They were actually off to a horrific start, but they fought back and and they won. Santiago Videla kicked kicked them into the into the world cup. Um, so in terms of where the team is, you, you can draw comparisons to Uruguay from around the 2014 to 2015 period to have an idea. So at that point, Uruguay had three, maybe four professional players. Um, the, the number one player was uh, Rodrigo Capo, who did not play at the World Cup. Played in the qualifiers against Russia, and played again in the qualifiers against Canada in for the 2019 World Cup. And so Uruguay went from qualifying in rapid charge to qualifying in the Americas, to then qualifying as Americas one from one World Cup to the next over three the cycles. So Chile is at the where they are now. So they're at the start of that. Um, kind of but they jumped a step in that they didn't qualify via repertoire they sent the usa into repertoire um it's the model is is very close to the uruguayan model what what is that model uh, you've got a limited player base uh in terms of numbers and in terms of uh nationwide rugby both on uh chile and uruguay are realistically dominated by their capitals uh, so the rugby uh, clubs that will be represented by these teams at the world cup are very much so santiago and montevideo clubs um and again Peñaro is the professional team from one salkman is the is the professional team from the other uh, salkman will be extremely represented at the world cup um and Salkman has been two things at the same time. It, it, it's been the professional team and it's been the high performance. So these these players have, uh, since 2020, they've been able now 
to be to be playing as professionals. Um, that's been transformational. Um, and by having less rather than more teams, it, it has lifted the, the the levels substantially. Um, Chile were, were losing to Brazil in the prior World Cup uh, uh, cycle. Uh, United States was was beating Chile by seventy points. So they turned that around quickly by just basically doing the same thing Uruguay did following their World Cup failure to qualify for 2011, which was, hey, we've got a problem. <clears throat> we, we need to fix it. We're, we're, uh, we're going to transform our system and um, invest in the players. So that's been extremely, extremely successful for both. It, it is a lesson for others to, to follow. And again, uh, South Americans are very much disgusted with player eligibility. So these teams are all homegrown. We don't see South Africans playing for them. Uh, we don't see Argentinians playing for them. Uh, they're, they're not players brought in because of a grandparent or brought in on a professional contract and then qualifying after uh, X amount of time for eligibility reasons. No, they're, they're, they're players from there and uh, they've gone through the system and uh, the rewards have come uh, by that in that capacity. And Uruguay's coach called out uh, the rules uh, about ten days ago, where he, where he said, uh, "Should shouldn't Uruguay and Georgia shouldn't we be rewarded if we're doing things right?" So it's a very interesting comment. Um, a lot of people just want a, a, a fast solution. We want a stronger team at the World Cup from Samoa and Tonga. They'll have a stronger team if they can have these All Blacks, and they will. But at the same time, you had Uruguay playing Tonga last November and they were not really happy about it about playing a, a team which they thought was artificially um, assisted so that's the other side of the coin um, but it is what it is um, Uruguay's players are all Uruguayans, Chile's are all Chileans they all come through the system um, so Chile's players who are not uh, home based you've got fullback Inyaki Ayasu plays in Producer for uh, Sharon. He was a center, actually. They moved him to fullback this year. And really, it really worked well. Um, coming into as a second playmaker in assistance. Um, it also saw a positional shift. So uh, Videla, he's, he's a fly half, but he's played where they need him. So he's played center, he's played fullback, and now he's playing wing. So that's an interesting development. And it enables Rodrigo Fernandez to run the show at fly half too. And Videla is actually therefore goal kicking from the wing. Very interesting in that regard. Uh, in addition to, to Ayasa, Martin Sigrin, he was playing this, part, this past season for Doncaster Knights in the uh, second division in England. Um, good player, good flanker, um, line out option, ball carry option, defender. Does what you does what you'd like, and uh, the the third name would be Matias Titus, who's a tight head prop, very much a big man. Uh, you can draw comparisons if you remember uh, Martin Scalso, the Puma, kind of that kind of figure, very big, tight head, carries well, gets through workload, um, very much a player who in tier two matches looks very good. Tier one, well, we're going to find out. So, look, the roster is uh, kind of what you'd expect 
for a, a team which is playing at the World Cup for the first time. But because of their professional uh, high-performance system they've got in place, um, they, they shouldn't be a team leaking try after try. Let's see how they go. But uh, um, they have improved remarkably just just uh, compared to how they were doing in the America Rugby Championship uh, from 2016 to 2019. The team now is just unrecognizable compared to that side, which was an easy beat. Well, that's comprehensive as always. But just before we, we finish up with yourself, Paul, just the three sides again, Uruguay, Argentina and Chile, if you wouldn't mind just giving us a quick word, um, if you'd put your head on or your head above the parapet for it, where do you see them finishing? Will it be, you know, third, fourth place finishes um, for Uruguay and Chile or and then Argentina, you think it's semifinals? Yes, I think Argentina should be semifinals. Um, Chile should be uh, bottom of the, of the pool. <clears throat> I think they will um, they will be competitive for 30 or so minutes in, in most matches, but uh, they're going to be winless. Chile are going to be, Namibia going to push Italy, um, but the expectation is they will finish fourth in the group. Uh, I'd love to be wrong about that. Listen, it would be a it adds another bit of spice to to Pule if, if there did not really need there to be some in the fact that Uruguay are going to try and take Italy's third place ranking. And thanks very much, Paul, for joining me. Um, so that's all we have for the South Americas for this part of the podcast. So welcome back. I'm now joined by Eugenio Assisaneo. Um, to look ahead to the Trade Nations once again. So welcome on, Eugenio. Hello, everybody. How are you? It's, it's, as always. Um, so firstly, I asked Paul this question. With the with the competition looming, the World Cup looming, are you excited for it? Of course. <laughs> uh, yes, in terms of uh, the, the expectations of a Red World Cup, uh, every four years, uh, yes, the the expectations are growing up day after day. Um, in terms of rugby, uh, I I love the rugby that plays in, in the junior rugby World Cup. It's um, it's more genuine rugby. This is it's um, it's the the best rugby you can watch without some kind of pressure. They, they just play. Here in the Rugby World Cup, because it's a, as a third competition in the world, in importance, um, there are a lot of things that exceed rugby. Um, the pressure, media, I don't know, whatever. So, yes, I'm very excited about the Rugby World Cup, but I don't know if we're going to see the best rugby we can in the rug woke up. Yeah, it, it promises. I, I to have be, my doubts. <laughs> <laughs> it promises to be great, but we can only um, we can only hope. We can, we can't ex- expect it to be to be magnificent. And we'll start. We're going in order of pools, if you don't mind. And we'll start with Uruguay, who are in Pool A with uh, New Zealand, Italy, and Namibia, which is 
and and France, of course, the whole, the home side, which is a, <laughs> which is a horrible pool for them. But Eugenia, would you mind just taking us through their just kind of the breakdown of their squad and their form for for people who may not know? Um, well, four years ago, Uruguay went to Japan with no expectations, and from from the rest of the people. Uh, it's a small group of players. It's, uh, it's a very united group of players, very united group of uh, staff and coaches. And I spent with them 35 days in Japan as a journalist uh, from Rugby World Cup. I was covering Uruguay in Japan for Rugby World Cup for the Rugby News Service. And the first week, the first 10 days, I was alone. No journalist, no interest of people, nothing. Alone. And when I mean alone, I mean alone. Alone. Just me. And when I, I, I of course, I, I knew the, the most of the guys because they played in the South American Rugby League and as a slar at that moment, now Super Rugby Americas. And um, they, they, they will start to play there. And as a group, there, there were a lot of young guys with, uh, oh, that was a mix. And uh, they believed a lot in themselves, a lot. They were very confident. And uh, when the match in Kamaishi against Fiji, with the the whole sense what going to ha- what what was happened in Kamaishi because the of the the earthquake uh, and tsunami, uh, when Uruguay shot the war, beating uh, Fiji there, the next weeks of the, the weeks in advance were full of journalists, full of journalists. And they didn't care. For them, that was the same. The pressure was the same. They, they played a, a great game against Australia. They played a great game against uh, Wales. Uh, and they were very poor against Georgia. Uh, and they knew that for the future, they, 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 they have to improve. Uh, in fact, the, that game of Georgia was just three days right after Fiji with all that represented. And uh, they were emotionally exhausted, <laughs> and not just physically. And they, they, they traveled to Kumagaya by train. It uh, was, was very strange, the situation for, for a team that... Uh, did what they did. And um, four years later, they're almost in the same situation. They didn't play uh, in four years against a T1 team. Never. I think just Italy, but if we consider Italy the T1. And uh, nowadays, the, 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 the team is... Um, more confident, the 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 young people of 2018 now they're uh, 
players in the whole sense of the word. A lot of them played uh, abroad outside of Uruguay in, in Toronto Arrows with uh, or in the MLR and a lot of players play in France and um, and, and elsewhere and uh, they're very very confident they in fact they beat uh, in Namibia a couple of weeks ago in Montevideo and, and they beat them with uh, authority uh, and uh, what we can expect about Uruguay is they gave them all every single match they are convinced that they can win against France they are convinced that they can win against Italy of course not the Oblacks but they, they will their dream is to be competitive in that, yeah. in that match and of course Italy and Namibia are the, the key matches because if they win both, they're automatically uh, classified for the next Rugby World Cup. Yeah, and in third place, uh, yeah. So, um, if you ask me about Uruguay, but my sense of Uruguay is the same sense I had about four years ago when I was alone watching them training in the training sessions uh, in Kitakami and nobody there and there were absolutely 100% confidence uh, the, 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 their motto that time was we're going to shock the world that was the motto and they did it and they almost did this two times because 10 minutes Uh, within 10 minutes from the from the finish of the Wales uh, game, they were down by eight or ten points. Yeah, so right, yeah. uh, so that was in in uh, Wales was in Noita or in Kumamoto, and that was amazing. And I truly believe in that players and the coaching staff. And, and I think that they're going to shock the world again. I'm convinced. And if, if they were to do that, then um, obviously you could argue to beat Namibia wouldn't be a shock. Do you see them beating Italy then? Is that the case? Yes, they will be very competitive. They will be very... And I mean, I don't know... It, it's going to be easy for them to beat Italy. But what I'm truly know, it's, it's not going to be easy for Italy to beat Uruguay. Yeah. Well, they'll certainly put up a fight. And if they do, it will be one of the great results. I know Italy are targeting possibly knocking off France. Yes. Um, so it, it just makes that group all the more intriguing. But Uruguay, they're looking for one big shock. Argentina on the other side are looking to go potentially all the way there in Pool D alongside Chile, who we'll get on to in a, mo in a moment. England, um, Samoa as well are, are in there. And I suppose... Yeah, and, Japan. And, and Japan, yeah, apologies. Um, I suppose for Argentina, the rugby championship was pretty much a, a, a bit of a smokescreen, as we'd say, you know, with, with the plenty of changes. So 
how do you see them getting on in that pool with with the squad that Cheka has selected? And I suppose with the fact that Michael Cheka knows how to get through a World Cup, he knows how to get this Argentinian team flying, and they have a nice draw. Yeah, Argentina can. I think Argentina can lose three games, or they can win three games. Uh, and right now, I can't tell you how it's going to be. They can lose the three, yeah. and they can win the three. It's uh, it's impossible to to know because. You played against England a couple of months ago. You beat them in tweakers. And it's... Uh, will it be the same? No, absolutely not. Four years ago, that was uh, a, a comfortable uh, England victory. Uh, we're going to play against Japan. Do you remember Japan four years ago? Yeah. Great, the great side then, but probably yeah. not as sharp now. Was the only, the only thing. Yes, but it's a, it's a kind of surprise. Japan can surprise you, yeah, all, all the time because they, you know what Japan's gonna do, but you don't know when, how, and 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 they have the the the, the power to do that. I mean, they're very precise as Japanese. They're very precise in what they do. And if Argentina starting to struggle on the first 10 minutes against Japan, I don't know if Argentina in the last match of the pool with a whole of pressure of them will be capable to, to revert that result. I mean, not because the... the, the the quality of the players, they, they, of course, they, they have a, a lot of quality players, but for the pressure, for the pressure, yeah. the pressure will be huge. Not, not just, not, not because the media, because uh, rugby media in Argentina is, it's not as in England or in Ireland or in Australia or, or, or in France, but themselves. Yeah. They put a lot of pressure themselves. So there will be the, the, the toughest enemy for the Argentinian team. Yeah, and it's interesting because Paul in the first half said a similar thing that, you know, they, they're going there, they're looking to win it. So if if you feel like there's this vulnerability, I suppose, that they could get caught on the hop, but they're also putting themselves under pressure, maybe it's just a case of if they take it one game at a time, they'd be much better off as opposed to you know, oh, it's a great draw, so we have to be thinking semi-final. Absolutely agree. And uh, I, I will add that uh, Chicken knows really well this group of players. And um, here, as you surely know, there are a lot of questions about uh, the, the number 10 and the number 9 and how we're going to manage um, the, the, the thinking machine of the team. Uh, and here there are a lot of critics uh, with Santiago Carreras as number 10. 
and you don't have many options as at, at number nine you just have Kuveli. he he's not playing rugby since January last match yeah and for Biarritz and um, uh, Bertranu he's uh, progressively coming from from the from a, I don't know if it was Achilles or something like that, in with dragons in Wales, and the the third fly half, um, scrum half, sorry, was uh, Lautaro is Lautaro mm-hmm. uh, which is playing in Italy. So, um, and he 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 came from sevens from sevens team, yeah, and uh, so you got. A uh, group of forwards. The, the the pack is really tough. Is really good. Is top quality. Kramer will be back. Um, so Alemano will be back. So we uh, yesterday. Nawente um, Tachaparro broke his uh, Achilles. So yeah. there are two players traveling from Argentina to Portugal, uh, and th- that's the point. I mean. That means that Joel Sclavi, which is from La Rochelle, and he he's uh, um, he's a tight head. Mm-hmm. He can play loose head, but he he's not a loose head. You yeah. can you can put um, Sclavi as loose head against Japan, for example, or against I don't know even Samoa, because he he's a a, a big head is like a buffalo, but you can put uh, Sklavi as uh, as a, a loose head against Den Coles. You can do that. So Cheka have to decide, or Overdoy in, in in that case, which is the forward coach, have to decide what we're going to do. Is Sklavi will be our uh, tight head? Will be a loose one um, alternative as a loose hit because uh, Michael Vivas, who's playing in Gloucester, um, is loose hit and Sordoni is a tight hit. So there will be a very tough decision in the next couple of days in in Pumas uh, uh, team for the next Rugby World Cup. the team need needs clean breaks from the backs. Mm-hmm. They need yeah. it. Uh, they play. Do they play well? Yeah. What do you think? I. I but the Argentinian backs they are, are playing well. I I haven't seen a whole lot of them. I think it's been disjointed at times. I thought the last November was probably the sharpest they've been in a while, but I think this season. The, the constant changes in selection has, has kind of looked to hinder them, you know, because it's kind of been a different look and a different feel to the team every mm-hmm. time they line up. Granted, I haven't seen as much as, as other people, but okay. may, maybe it's just a sense of trying as many players out before the World Cup and feeling like they'll make something stick before then, which you'd hope, because if they are going to get to a to a semi-final or possibly a final, 
it does need to come good. It can't be as as sloppy as it was. Okay, for Argentina to to go to semifinals, to, to go to the quarterfinals first, they need their backs. They need their backs back in the game as an attacking uh, as an attacking group. Defensively, it works. I mean the structure, but. Uh, in terms of the attack, is where I, I see Argentina having a lot of doubts about where, when, or who is going to do the break, and 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 how they they, they will uh, solve the, the lot of problems that the the defenses present. In terms of, we have to define. All our forts are clean breaks. They're not a lot, but we have to define them. And uh, the backs are lacking in efficiency. To uh, I mean, confirming that uh, clean breaks and not producing, almost not producing, except uh, Mateo Carreras, except him, yeah. or or Iskro. Or, or Couple of times against Australia, but uh, if if Contepomi, that you know him very very well, can do the same that he did in Leinster in last years, but I can. What I can imagine is that Cheika and Contepomi are hiding a little bit of the attacking game not to be ridden by the other teams. Uh, but in any time, you have to show it. You will have to show it. You have to put it in, in, in the pitch. And uh, I think that that time is now, right now. So to stop, if you're hiding, stop hiding, stop playing, because it's what the Argentina needs. Uh The, the the forwards of Argentina are are very good, are very strong, but ne they're not South Africans. <laughs> they're not yeah. the Springboks, and they they will need some rest at any point. And um, you will have to start to do some uh, key changes on the team, and I guess that. Um, It could work. I mean, they're on a good uh, route to the quarterfinals. They are on a good route to the quarterfinals. Are, are they going to play uh, excellent rugby or good rugby? Mm, I don't know. But they will be very tough. Of course, they will be. Yeah. And, you know, I, I mentioned there the, the changes. They've only scored... In their three rugby championship games, they only scored one try in the first half. Plenty of changes in the outside backs. I know, um, but is it, one second, I get the pronunciation of Bertrano and Carreras, Santiago Carreras. Yes. Played most yes, games yes. at halfback, but that slow start, you know, you look at a team like England or even someone like Japan, as you mentioned, Samoa, if they get their tails up and they get a bit of go forward momentum in the first half against Argentina and they do slow starting or start slow again, it could come back to bite them. 
Um, yes, I, I think that the, for Argentina will be tough. The, the very first 20 minutes of every match will be very tough. If they're comfortable up there, if, if Argentina are closer in terms of points in every single match in the last 20 minutes, I can say for sure that they will be very, very competitive in the last 20 minutes. Because if they're winning or if they're just they were losing uh, against Australia and against South Africa in uh, South Africa in Johannesburg. Um, anything could happen. Anything could happen. Could be <laughs> an absolute surprise. Um, and uh, they are capable of playing good open rugby and surprise. And they are capable, of course, of playing very direct rugby, closing the gap, um, closing the attack, um, being very, very uh, a narrow team, uh, a very profound team. So can they do that? Yes, they can. And uh, are a tough team? Yes, they are a tough team. And it's the the progressive of the matches very comfortable for them. Yes, it is. So it's all set for Argentina to do a very good rugby World Cup, but the pressure. But the pressure. You can bet all on the first match against England as they did four years ago against France. I mean, it's not... Um, is not a do or die against England. It is not. And as it wasn't four years ago against France, but Ledesma uh, did it. So yeah. they put a lot of pressure on the players and they struggle. They struggle, but uh, Bofeli uh, misses uh, a last kick. So they could be uh, that could be a, a victory for the Pumas in that first match. Yeah. So so that's why I'm telling you that uh, keep an eye if the Pumas are in the last 20 minutes in game, and it's not if if it is I don't know 20 points ahead or 20 points uh, uh, training. I don't know, but. They were very, very competitive. No, they should be. And you, you talk about the, the pressure there. There's less pressure on the, the debutants of this Rugby World Cup in Chile. They're in Pool D. That Argentina game promises to be a, a feisty one, to say the least, between two Latin American countries. And I suppose for, for people who may not know them, what do you think we can expect from Chile in this World Cup? A lot of people would expect them to finish fifth and finish bottom of their pool, but... Is there a shock or two in them? Uh, the, this Rugby World Cup caught Chile in the middle of a process. I mean, um, a lot of people will be will find a, uh, a Chilean team with uh, 
and and you will see that as a process team, I mean, they, they have a lot of players that are very, very good players, but they have a lot of players that never, ever played against uh, Tier 1 Nation, ever. And a lot of players not even played against a Tier 2 Nation, ever. I mean, wow. for example, I don't... Uh, for the last... Uh, tough match of Chile was uh, against USA and against Canada uh, with a lot of pressure for the other team and they did it and they Chile uh, they didn't play it against for example Spain Portugal Uruguay uh, Romania I mean, for for them, this will be, this will be the first time ever to play abroad or in Europe. For a lot of players and uh, for part of the staff, will be the very first time in a rugby World Cup. Not for Lemoyne, of course, but for all of them. So. Uh, Do you remember Portugal in 2007 in France? I don't myself. I'm sure listeners at home would, but I was I was a bit too young to remember that now. Okay. Um, Portugal was um, an incredible team. They play as the same as they play now. The same thing, the same style, the same way. They knew absolutely that they were there because of the circumstances uh, at that time. And they just enjoy. They just enjoy the time. They, were, they went to France in 2007 with no expectations, more than enjoy the, 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 the ambience, the, the stadiums, the Rugby World Cup as, uh, a, as a player, in the in that just the, just one in lifetime, once in lifetime, and the same will gonna happen. I think for the Chileans players, they they will they they should try to enjoy this rugby world cup as a one in a lifetime event to be involved as a players or or, or or as a coaches, I don't know. Uh, will be very tough for Chile in the next years to repeat something that as they did uh, to qualify for this World Cup. Will be very, very, very tough because they're in the middle of a process and they're trying to um, to grow the mass or to amplify the base of players in Chile, all along Chile, and uh, not just in, in Santiago, which is the, the, the main population and the, the most important clubs are there. 
and to expand the base because in Chile, uh, the, the the private schools, it's uh, you, I, I'm for sure you have heard it before, but as in Australia, for example, the private schools and um, the, the, the top of the of the colleges are set in rugby. They have a lot of uh, English influence or Welsh influence. And uh, it's not very popular in terms of, uh, of uh, the rest of the nation. I mean, it's not popular as football is, for example. And the, they are trying to to set different um, academies all over Chile from north to south. Chile's 4,500 kilometers uh, long. And logistically, it's very complicated to set um, matches against the, 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 the regions. And in fact, I mean, it's not even possible by now. Uh, but I think that in eight years, Chile will be uh, more competitive with players that are arising right now and uh, with the base of, I don't know, four or five players that are very young traveling to the Rugby World Cup. And, but you don't have to expect uh, Chile more than... Uh, enjoy the Rugby World Cup as a team and uh, for them they will be very very tough, extremely tough every single match every single match if they, I, I don't want to put it in terms of um, uh, winning or losing because for Chile to qualify for the Rugby World Cup that was enough I mean, that was a really shocked they shocked The, the odds <laughs> and they they brought the odds in fact so win lose they they have to be the most competitive competitive team they could be in the right world cup and this will be great for them in my opinion of course yeah well we hope they can We've seen it in the last couple of years. Uruguay, you mentioned 2019, Japan 2015. Maybe Chile are the team who, who takes everyone's hearts in, in 2023 in France. And just before we finish up, um, Eugenio, I just want to ask for your predictions for these three nations. You you said Uruguay might pull off a shock. You said Argentina could get to a semifinal. But if you were to call it, how do you see Uruguay, Argentina and Chile going in this World Cup in in a word or in, in a position or place? Um, I think Uruguay will be very, very tough. Very tough. Will be Uruguay this year could be the Japan of the Rugby World Cup, of the last Rugby World Cup. They have no pressure and they're very dangerous. And if they get a good result and they And if they are competitive during every single match, they will be very, very tough. Argentina is set to do semifinals. 
I, I think I truly believe that they can do that as they did in 2007, but uh, they need to run with no pressure. If they if they run with no pressure, uh, I think that it's possible. If they started with a with a backpack of pressure, every single player, and try to save themselves as players and not as a team, they will be very tough. And um, Chile, they have to go to this Rugby World Cup to enjoy, to learn, and to 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 uh, absorb the experience to transmit once they they travel back to Chile for the the, the rest of the players that that will be waiting in Chile to restart a new a new era in Chile because uh, I think Lemoyne uh, is gonna leave the, the head coach is gonna is is gonna live in Chile for the next years. So um, for South American rugby this rugby world cup it's amazing. Three teams, uh, absolutely unexpected, absolutely unexpected four years ago, three years ago. And now here we are. We have uh, uh, three teams and expecting at least two of them to be very competitive. And hopefully they are. And thanks very much, Eugenio, for, for joining me today because that's about all we have time for and to to Paul earlier on is the two you for giving some great depth, some great stories into into these three nations. And as always, thanks at home to everyone for listening. We're almost finished with these tournament previews now, but next week we will have a preview of Ireland with a special provincial panel and a final tournament preview with a few local journalists of and possibly even a few more. So if you do like what you see or hear, please do subscribe. You can find the links for my channels and as well for Eugenio and Paul's Twitter pages down below, which I would highly recommend. But for now, and until next time, take it easy. Sports Social Podcast Network. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.